3: Now, here are your hosts,
1: Peggy Ann Saltz and Shahab Zagari. Welcome to Mobile Presence, as always, bringing you the experts to help you optimize and maximize your mobile strategy. I'm Shahab Zaghari, award winning filmmaker and executive director of marketing at Higher Ground Creative Agency.
0: And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz for Mobile Groove, providing custom research and content marketing to the global mobile industry and offering mentoring and consulting to mobile startups.
1: And thank you again for joining us for the show. As we wrap up the year, it's perfect timing to look back at the milestones and also to look ahead to the trends that will shape 2016.
0: Absolutely, Shahab. And, that's the million-dollar question, right? What are the mobile mega trends that brands, marketers, and app companies, our friends, our app developers that we've been catering to this year with a lot of shows about app developers and their issues, mm-hmm. what do they need to have top of mind? You know, what do they need to watch for? What do they need to take advantage of? And it's only, of course, when you know the answer to these questions that you can even hope to prepare to take advantage of the opportunities ahead and ultimately take your business to the next level.
1: That's right. And so to equip you to do all that and more in the next year, our guests are two of the industry's most respected and renowned mobile marketing authorities, Paul Burney and Michael Becker, the founders of M. Cordis. And if you haven't heard of M. Cordis, then you should make it your New Year's resolution to get to know the company much better. M. Cordis is a leading mobile education and advisory firm founded just two years ago to advise brand marketers how to embrace mobile today. Together, Michael and Paul have helped educate over 500 people in person, over 10,000 people online. They've launched an accredited professional qualification in mobile marketing program on three continents and have worked with clients across a wide range of industries, including alcohol, research, sports, banking, entertainment, retail, you name it, they've done it. So you guys are obviously two very, very busy guys. So thank you so much for taking time out of your meetings and trips and all of that to to be our guest on Mobile Presence today. Welcome. Thank you.
4: Thank you. It's a huge pleasure to be on.
0: It's great to have you, I mean, our listeners will perhaps remember that Paul Bernie was our guest at this, actually to kick off 2015 with something very similar, so great to have you both, and you know, if your life is like mine, then you've seen the last weeks, the media, my inbox, you know, everything is brimming over, full of commentary that calls out 2015 as the year of massive interest in push, massive interest in programmatic, you know, all the usual suspects, a long, long list. To kick off, Paul and Michael, in your view, what will 2015 be remembered for?
4: I think a number of things really come to the fore in, in, in this year. You know, there's, there are very few few times in the mobile industry when something arrives you know, you know w- with a bang on its own. Most things are a kind of evolution. So on the evolution side, yes, you're right, programmatic has been bubbling away for some time, but this year has really come to the fore in terms of the amount of money that's being spent on it. Video has really has really pushed itself in the one thing I, I would say that has arrived this year with a kind of huge bang has been ad blocking and mm-hmm. the effect mm-hmm. that that has mm-hmm. upon mobile advertising or in fact digital advertising full stop
0: How about you Michael?
5: Yeah, I would also think there's a significant changes in the way co- companies are viewing the customer, and we're seeing that people are starting to, companies are starting to talk more about people marketing to the individual. Less and less and less about the broadcast marketing uh, that's been happening in the past. So we're seeing significantly more in uh, marketing around, you, know, you mentioned push, and Paul's pointed out you know, that evolutionary point. We, a lot of people are doing push, but it's now push to the individual. It's actually understanding their unique and individualized behaviors and then serving them serving them a unique content and the timing of the message that aligns to them as an individual.
1: And so, you know. You brought up ad blocking, and that's definitely top of mind because it it is, you know, that did send such a ripple through the industry. You know, why did ad blocking come about, and what do you think that says about people and advertising in general?
5: Well, I think a couple points on that. It's interesting. I mean, there's been an advertising avoidance in our behavior for quite some time. I mean, the idea of consumers ignoring ads, avoiding ads. Being disgruntled by ads has been around for quite some time, but with the advent of smartphones and new capabilities in the network and over-the-top capabilities, you're starting to see new applications emerge that allow people to have more control over what's happening. And in having more control, in, you know, downloading, installing, and using an ad blocking service is a perfect example of that. What's also starting to see is the measurable effect that ad blocking will have on the experience. It, re- it increases download times. It saves people money because they're not using up their data charges because of the use. And so there's just a number of converging factors that are making it more
4: accessible to people to be able to take advantage of it now. Yeah, I think Peggy, you, you might look at ad blocking as a kind of symptom of a of a greater malaise around consumer reaction to advertisers. Michael suggests, you know, that there's obviously the monetary side of it. People are paying anywhere up to fifty percent of all of their data costs are actually to actually download adverts that appear within mobile sites. But I think there's also, and Michael hinted at a, a move away from consumers allowing brands to retarget them or advertisers to retarget them using the information that they're capturing on, on mobile devices, but also people just not liking irrelevant advertising being pushed towards them. And so one of the themes that we would suggest that you would see, you know, kind of growing over the next year, two years, is consumers not just requiring but demanding more relevance from advertisers if they're going to engage with them.
0: So if we turn this on its head a little bit, you know, we could turn this into a good news story and say that ad blocking may mark the beginning of truly relevant engaging marketing and communication because there is no other alternative.
5: Yeah, and what's interesting about that though is marketers need to take heed because if they don't start being relevant now and start connecting with the consumer, inviting the consumer to give them permission to have direct communication with them, when ad blocking truly takes effect, marketers are going to have a difficult time, re- or increase uh, dip, have to find different pathways to reach that consumer without direct communications. And you know, ad blocking is not is going past just simply doing a simple installation, say a third party offering. And Mozilla this week just announced that they've are launching their uh, you know, ad blocking capabilities in their new iOS browser. And O2, one of the leading carriers in the UK, and noted a couple of weeks ago that they're putting ad blocking at the network level. So marketers really need to start thinking about how they bridge their paid media activities, both social and, you know, and advertising-related activities, with their own communications. And I think there's a, a very significant set of strategies that marketers might start needing to think about as they look towards the future. And, and ad blocking is just, again, as Paul pointed out, just one of those symptoms that they have to think through to figure out what, you know, what the actual root cause is.
0: I mean, it's interesting you get to that, Michael, because I actually did seek you out and interview you for Forbes for precisely that purpose. It was looking at what is going to happen as brands try to engage more with their customers, with their users, with their their fans, but also try to do it on their own terms and, more importantly, on their own properties. Correct. So how is that turning out as a trend as far as, not just what has happened in 2015 and the idea around trying to have branded communities—it's almost a comeback in a way. We've been talking about this for a long time, and now we see it in 2015, possibly in the new year. What's your take?
5: Yeah, one, one of my favorite branded communities I heard about earlier was Oscar Meyer's attempt to create a branded community around bacon lovers and those that <laughs> enjoyed and loved bacon around their personal flavors. I mean, that—that that goes back to Paul's point earlier about relevance. It's brands looking to find those things that are have common interest, common behavior with the people that they can serve, and then finding mechanisms and ways of providing that service, either through some form of you know, owned community – and or through various direct communications programs like email, push, SMS, etc. But the whole point is realizing that there is a consistent person across all of those channels at the other end that they need to be relevant to across all channels, not just in one. And that's what's important for people to be thinking about going forward.
1: Definitely very, very good points. We do have to take a quick break, guys. Listeners, don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
3: Mobile Presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Mobile Presence on Radio.fm is presented by Skywire, an award-winning global provider of enterprise-grade software applications for the hospitality industry. For more information, visit Skywire.com mobilizing your marketing and engagement efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to Mobile Presence. I'm Shahab Zaghari with Higher Ground Creative Agency.
0: And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz with Mobile Groove.
1: And again, we have Michael Becker and Paul Burney, co-founders of mCortis, with us today. So, you know, in the last segment, it was very, very enlightening to hear you know what you guys thought of the milestones and hot topics of 2015. But let's switch gears and look at 2016. What, what kinds of things do you see on the horizon?
4: I think that maybe, as I suggested to you before, there, there are some evolutionary things that we would expect to see, and, and, and others maybe that, that will come in, you know, with, with a, you know, kind of more of a big impact as a one-off. The things I expect to see continuing are consumers, you know, kind of requiring more relevance, as we already discussed. They continue to want more engaging content, and that's particularly led by video. They are pushing further and further into purchasing from their mobile devices. And I think you know we'll also see greater involvement or, or usage of mobile within uh, loyalty schemes, particularly within retailers.
5: I think ultimately what's going to end up start happening, and we're going to see more and more of this in, in the new year, is a refocus on content and storytelling and what content means to the consumer. Because if you think about how marketers are embracing and leveraging the four media paths that are out there, uh, their owned channels, their paid, shared, and social channels, the binding force around all of that is content. And so you're going to start seeing a marriage of content plus distribution. And marketers are going to start learning about how they can create unique content for each one of the various journeys that consumers are taking with their audience. So a lot of leading companies we talk to talk about curating unique content storytelling around each path that they use with the consumer, but ultimately those all of those paths leading back to their own channels so that they can have direct control over the communication that ultimately with their customers.
1: And again, content was also king in 2015, just in general. But how well do you think, in general companies around the world are positioned or prepared to cope for what's coming in 2016?
4: Well, I I don't think they're well prepared at all. There's a fairly groundbreaking study done by Adobe in the last uh, year, 18 months or so that suggested that somewhere around 82% of all marketers receive no formal education whatsoever in digital marketing. And that in the the US, that digital skills gap, as you might call it, is already costing the U.S. economy $1.3 trillion per year in lost productivity. So wow. part of the reason that we started our company a couple of years ago was that we saw that there was this huge knowledge gap around mobile in particular. And we believe that you could fill that gap through education, through publishing, and through advisory services. You know, Essentially helping people through either teaching them how to do it, doing it with them, or helping them build their understanding of it by, you know, writing and talking to them about how mobile will work. And, you know, there's huge evidence that there's a, a shift in the corporate world towards wanting to educate people once they've realized that this gap exists. So, you know, our shift as a business will, in 2016 and beyond will be towards reaching a much wider audience through online learning. And if you see what's happening in the online space, you'd see that there's a good reason for doing that, both obviously commercially for us, but obviously from a brand perspective, you know, online learning this year will be worth somewhere around $100 billion. And of that, a huge chunk of it is kind of self-paced stuff that people are doing. But the mobile element of it today is is only about $5 billion. I say only, but it's only about $5 billion that total. But we see that rising dramatically over the next couple of years as people shift towards what you might call micro-learning um, where they're learning in much shorter and shorter bursts using uh, video content on mobile devices.
5: Yeah, and Paul makes a fantastic point with that. And what's important is, like, what are they going to be learning? And you know, especially just based on my history and my background, from a personal perspective, we, there's a tendency to want to go directly to the technology. But I think one thing that started in 2015 and will take significant hold into 16 is... Less focus on the initially on the technology, and more focus on the c- customer experience and how you are going to be serving that customer or that person or that individual. How are you? However, you are framing them for your business, and then ultimately, you are going to take a step back and think about what capabilities do I need to provide that experience and that those capabilities. Marketers are start realizing that it's a combination of people technology and processes to be able to fulfill that experience and when we you know at one point when we talk about relevance for example you know brands are still very much struggling with how do i get the data to be able to actually have an individual and relevant conversation with people at scale and that's that that idea of personal communications at scale is going to be a, a significant topic that will rise up in 2016.
4: Yeah, if you imagine that the buzzwords of 2015 were around programmatic and ad blocking, I'll guarantee you that what you'll start to hear a lot more of in 2016 is the concept of customer journey mapping and user experience being applied to the digital environment.
0: I have to say, I really applaud Paul and Michael because I've just been reading quite a bit about courses that will be offered, not not really courses, but just a focus on equipping more people to be better performance marketers. I'm glad to hear that that isn't what it's all about. So this isn't really, the skills gap you're talking about is not the fact that we don't have enough people who can run a good user acquisition campaign. It's something much deeper than that, Right.
5: Correct. It's people really understanding, you know, how do we service our customer in a way that we're, you know, and truly being of service to that individual at the key stages along their, their journey, the, the, the upper frontal stages of when they're becoming aware, the process of when they're buying, and then post-purchase, how do you help them adopt and then ultimately service them when they need it.
1: And so in these strategies, is that going to be a huge part of the content, do you think?
5: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, video. You know, they they talk about it. You picture know, pictures a thousand words. Probably a video is a hundred thousand words. It's it creates an emotional connection. It creates imagery. It gets the point across very quickly. And you're starting. You know, and Lowe's even experimented with some really unique uses of video last year. For example, they took small six second clips to be able to on Vine to be able to mm. teach people how to build something. So video doesn't have to be this long, extensive. Uh, material as well. It could be as small as a, a combination of six-second clips to you know full-form video, and so you're going to see a lot of cascading conversations happening through the video medium next year.
1: On top of Vine, which Peggy will tell you I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, I, I vine at least once a day just to hone my skills. You know, on top of that, there's the you know YouTube pre-roll, which you can skip in five seconds or less, and that kind of thing, and you have to be able to tell that story without losing their interest. And I, uh, you know, I agree with you. It doesn't have to be a five-minute video for them to buy into what you're saying and foster that loyalty.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely. I mean, with, with that in mind, what's, what's really important for us to realize is with mobile having interjected itself into the conversation, you now have people walking around with supercomputers in their hands. And they have the ability to express their need and or we can implicitly predict their need based on behavior, and so the importance going forward is how do marketers place themselves in a relevant way at that time of explicit or implicit expressed need. And talking about video, Paul's got some great stats about YouTube, for example, and how people use it. And how that's yeah let's, you know, between let's hear search that yeah video. I was
0: just gonna say let's do that because you're right Shahab and I was going to ask you anyway because you are the person here most focused on video is you know I am hearing it constantly now from companies saying oh we have to do something about video we have to get this content into video so it's going to be a you know huge year for visual content it seems
4: it will be Peggy because you know essentially what Michael is saying is brands love storytelling Mm-hmm. And the best way for them to tell stories is, it, is an audio environment. So if you look at something like YouTube, according to Google, around 75% of all video content on YouTube is opened first on a mobile device. So we know that it's a mobile-first channel. But we also know that YouTube is now the second most used search engine. So apart from YouTube being about entertainment and, and kind of, you know, time distraction for people – A huge chunk of YouTube is now turning towards people who enter the question, how do I or how to into YouTube. So as a brand marketer, you should be searching on YouTube right now for how are other brands answering the questions that consumers ask about your products. You know, if you're a bank, go and search for on YouTube and see how many other people are asking the question, how does a loan work? How do I get a mortgage? You'll see there's tons of content in there. Most of it, not from brands, just from individual consumers advising others, and there's a real opportunity there to provide content that that has a real value to consumers. This kind of, you know, in a utility way, is helping them understand something better. The challenge will be providing it in a format and in a way that the consumers will find accessible. You know, it's not going to be good enough just to stick a some boring corporate video up there. You'll need to put time and effort Mm -hmm. into it.
5: You know, Paul, that raises a great takeaway from today's conversation, too. I would encourage everyone listening to perform this exercise, especially for the managers on the call. Go and ask your team, what are all of the questions that our customers, the people that use our product or service or may use it, might have about our good or service? And then take a step back and say, I guarantee you, the team is going to get really excited and they'll come up with 30 or 50 different questions. And then have a pause and then ask your team, what are we doing about answering those questions? Mm. And more often than not, you'll hear, a rum- you'll hear crickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: no one is answered the question.
1: Let me ask you then, what is the strategy for content, for video that you have in place, Cordis, for 2016?
4: You know, we're taking a dose of our own medicine. We're going to be doing exactly that: is producing content that is aimed at the questions that people ask about education. How do I get training? How do I get qualified? Where do I learn about X? And that's what we'll focus ourselves on. You know, we're we're not just sitting here and, you know, kind of pontificating for other brands and not doing it ourselves. We are going to, you know, we get sitting down right now and thinking about the content that we need to create that answers consumers' questions. So, you know, part of the learning that Michael is sharing here is not just stuff that we've learned because we're doing it with clients. It's stuff that we've learned because we have to do it for ourselves.
5: To really point out, this is not easy either. There's no easy, simple answer to do all of this. Journey mapping, understanding the customer experience, this is a lifetime process that companies need to go through, and it will evolve over time, but it's a critically important thing to people realize. It takes effort.
1: All right. Well- We do have to take our last break of the show. Listeners, don't go anywhere. We have the co-founders of M Cordis with us today. We'll be right back. Mobile Presence
3: will be back after we connect you to our sponsors.
0: Internet Marketing, Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com.
2: at BruceClay.com,
3: Mobilizing your marketing and engagement efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: And we're back. Welcome back to Mobile Presence. I'm Shahab Zagari,
0: And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz with Mobile Groove.
1: And again, we have Michael Becker and Paul Burney, co-founders of, of M-Cortis, with us today. Thanks again for coming on the show. Pleasure to be here.
0: So right before the break, we were talking about what to watch for in 2016 and video, visual content, you know, helpful content that came out as a top trend, something that brands need to know about and they need to prepare about. Let's continue in that thread and talk about other top opportunities, three top opportunities you have top of mind and how brands can compare, uh, prepare rather. We'll start with you, Paul.
4: Well, something that's right on top of my mind now, just because I've seen so much press coverage of it, is the way in which mobile payments have grown in 2015 and are accelerating in in 2016. Because we've just had Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and there was a huge shift towards payments being made on mobile devices. Depending upon whose study you read, and and as I say, there were maybe 20 or 30 different studies of this. Mobile accounted for something like 50% of all online traffic on those two days and over that weekend, and something like 20 to 25% of all purchases. There's a gap here, between obviously, between the amount that's of, of traffic. A lot of that is search, obviously, where people are using their mobile devices, and then payment on mobile devices. And I think you know, what we might argue is that both the volume and the value of M-commerce sales are rising. That is as a direct result of kind of rising consumer confidence that it works, that it's secure, of the convenience of of mobile payments of just you know a few clicks on your mobile device and something's something's bought, and you know of course over time you know increasing familiarity with using mobile to buy stuff, and so that's only going to increase with you know the likes of Apple Pay and PayPal making big strides in in the mobile payment space. So I would say definitely one of the things is that brands will need to look at the rise of mobile payments, not just because of the Cyber Monday or, you know, the Black Friday examples, Mm -hmm. but take a look at what Starbucks have done in the mobile payment space, and that should tell you everything you need to know about whether it works or not, according to Forbes Yeah, and that's interesting,
1: because, you know, a a few years ago, I would simply, you know, if I would see something on my phone, I would email it to myself to buy it later, kind of thing, and now I just buy it on my phone, so that's definitely, definitely a good point.
4: You're thinking about how how our experience and our behavior has changed. If I said to you right now the name of a book I thought that you should read, probably your instant reaction is, if it sounds interesting to you, is to take out your phone, open your Amazon app, and either add it to your wish list or instantly buy it because we got that confidence and familiarity with it. So those things are are driving us on. And I was just about to mention, you know, the the Starbucks payment example is a fantastic one. You know, 20% of all their revenue now comes through their mobile app. We're giving Starbucks $1.4 billion dollars per quarter on Over our on the mobile. mobile app for coffee wow. we have yet to drink. You know, if anybody <laughs> tells you that mobile payments doesn't work and isn't big yet, look at that. Look, look at those numbers. That's and great. We, That's one,
5: great. Point, one point I'd like to add to that too is not just about the function of Pain through the device—that's really the the you know academic version of mobile commerce. But it's really about mobile influence sales, I and mean, we don't want to lose sight of that. What Paul referred to is you know the gap between the purchase being made and the traffic via uh, coming from mobile. That gap is mobile's influencing on sales. And that's going to be somewhere around $700 billion to $1.5 trillion over the next few years, where mobile is influencing sales in the United States alone. So again, it's critically important that every marketer think about how mobile's influencing their sales.
0: So that's a good point. And back to you, actually, Michael, I want to ask you, a top trend, a number two top trend for 2016. And
5: that influence, I think, is is critically an important step. And and which brings me to that next trend is that on-demand expectation from people. If I need it, if I want it, if I'm expressing my need, with mobile and because of mobile, I can now fulfill that need within a matter of minutes. And this is going to change commerce and retail as we know it. You're going to start to see if I can use Instacart for example, let's say I'm on all you know and this is happening right now. I go to all recipes to figure out what I'm going to have for tonight's dinner. I check off the things that I don't have in my house and then in certain cities I can click the Instacart button, immediately place the order and then somebody from the Instacart service is going to bring those groceries to my house. So there's no need for me now to actually go to the store. So what's going to start happening is this on-demand accessibility of really nearly any service for the ability to get any good or service brought to me. And then you're going to find retailers changing the format of their store, bringing in more experiences, more entertainment. One of our clients calls it retail theater. We're going to have mm-hmm. to turn retail grocery into an entertainment experience. Otherwise, people just are going to stop going. You know, and that's going to take some time. It's going to start in 2016. Still 90% of all goods are still bought at retail. However, we're going to see that change uh, pick up quite a bit.
1: A last top opportunity for marketers and brands? I might kind of bring you back right to the starting point of
4: the very first comments that we made. The need for relevance is going to lead to greater and greater personalization within mobile marketing and you know, greater and greater need to personalize the, the, both the services and the messages that you deliver via mobile in order to have consumer acceptance, but also taking advantage of what you can do by a mobile. Not, rather than just copying what you did in other channels, understand that mobile gives you the ability to use contextual relevance, shaping your messages so that it's the right message to the right person at the right time and the right place. So you're combining all four of those things together. And then you know making sure that you deliver messages to people with their permission, and they've opted in to do that. So this relevance thing is going to be in great, greater importance if you're going to get around the challenges of things like ad blocking and, and you know consumer acceptance.
1: And I'm sure Peggy will agree with me. This has been an unbelievably amazing show. We are kind of running out of time at this point, but you know, to recap, 2016, you know, be focused on mobile pay, see how it fits within your strategy, relevance of video, taking retail into this new retail theater so that by you know twenty nineteen we're all humans like Wally. No just kidding floating around in space. No, but you know, th- this has been a fantastic show. I do know that our listeners like to reach out to our guests from time to time. If they do want to get in touch with you or find out more about M. Cortis and what you guys do there, how do they get in touch with you?
5: Well, they can certainly email us at Bernie at mcortis.com or michael.becker at mcortis.com. And you can also follow us on LinkedIn. I'm at at mobile direct at LinkedIn and
4: you know follow us anywhere you want through twitter linkedin pinterest we've got a pinterest board that's got almost nine nine hundred infographics around mobile marketing we just like to engage with everyone our finishing point should be to say to you you know the name of our company should say it all to you cordis is latin for of the heart and what we want to do is to put mobile at the heart of your marketing
1: that's great that's great and peggy how can our listeners get a hold of you
0: well, you can email me, Peggy at Mobile Groove, where you can also see my portfolio of work and services for small biz and indie developers. You can follow me on Twitter at Peggy Ann A-N-N-E, and you can check out companion posts here at webmasterradio.fm, Mobile Groove, and other places where I'm a frequent contributor, such as Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, and adding to this this week, VentureBeat.
1: All right. And you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Shahab Zagari, Z-A-R-G-A-R-I. Since we brought up Vine, it's the same username on Vine as well. Don't forget to check out our portfolio over at highergroundcreative.agency. Thanks again for joining us for Mobile Presence. Remember that new episodes of Mobile Presence air Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check out earlier episodes of our show by going to webmasterradio.fm or you can find our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Zune, and iHeartRadio simply by searching Mobile Presence. And finally, you can stay connected by downloading the Webmaster Radio mobile app from the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Thanks again for listening to Mobile Presence, your inside track on everything you need to reach and engage your target audience with mobile. And remember, every minute is mobile, so make every minute count. We'll see you next week.